Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me is Joe DeLeon, who is the host of the NFL Draft Prospects podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network and a former collegiate long snapper. That is right, folks. A real long snapper (laughs) is on this show and we'll be talking about long snapping and of course the NFL Combine as we continue to preview it. How are you, Joe? Thanks for coming on. I'm doing great. Been passed around a lot for multiple media spots this week, way more than I was anticipating uh, when when Cam, our marketing guy, hooked me up. But it's been busy, but exciting because I love talking about the draft and I'm obsessed with it. So fun, productive week so far. Well, we're starting with long snapping, though, and then we'll get to the draft. But (laughs) so I said before we went on, I told you long snapping is a thing on the show. And you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, Okay, so here's the the background on this. That well, I mean, one jobs that are not talked about a lot in football are always fun for me to talk about fullbacks, blocking tight ends, long snappers, the people who don't get uh, the credit they deserve, because if the long snapper gets it wrong, then everybody notices. But here we've had some crazy stuff happen with long snappers. All right. 2018, Kevin McDermott lost a part of his finger after on a snap, he got it caught in someone's helmet and it literally ripped off, which is the most gross thing ever, but that happened. So then the Vikings had to put in their backup tight end, David Morgan to long snap in the middle of a game because their long snapper lost a finger. Mm -hmm. After that, they signed a dude who was originally from Alaska. I am not making this up in his NFL.com draft profile. Jeff Overbaugh, it says that he like camped with grizzly bears. That's a real thing. In the divisional round of the playoffs, the Uh Vikings are playing the Saints. And Jeff Overbaugh, who was new to the team because a dude had his finger ripped off, went the wrong way on a blocking scheme, allowed a punt to be blocked, which domino effect led to the Minneapolis miracle. Okay. How crazy is that? And then they draft a long snapper, which no offense to your profession is insane. Right. right. But, I remember uh, that happening. I remember I was saying before, I remember Austin cutting, getting drafted. And I thought that that was a bit of a reach. <laughs> yes. Not only that, but because he went to air force, Mike Zimmer, the head coach of the Vikings at the time thought that Austin cutting had been landing planes on aircraft carriers and made some comment about how he was calm with his nerves and long snapping because he had been trained for war. He was not trained for war in the air force. He was like doing paperwork. I mean, no, I mean like, (laughs) thank you for your service. Like I appreciate what he did. So that is why long snappers have gotten more discussion on this show 
than any other show that ever talks football. Well, I have to say that I, I do remember the, the pinky getting ripped off thing. I remember Austin Cutting getting drafted. I don't remember the the, the missed uh, block. I don't remember that part. But, I mean, heck, it, this tends to happen to me a lot. Whenever I do a, a show appearance, I always get the long snapper questions. I'm glad that I could be tied into the, the ongoing bit that is on this show that is long snappers. But, hey, I, it, I mean, typically if people are talking about us, it's probably not a good thing. But, I mean, in this circumstance, it's a good bit. Well, I'm, I'm going to need you to tell me the inside life of the long snapper. I mean, because the kicker, punter, and long snapper, you guys become a little crew. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine if one of the three is a jerk. It must just be intolerable because like everybody else has a position group where there's like seven receivers or eight receivers. So if one guy's a jerk, they just drown him out. If a punter's a jerk, what are you going to do? Uh, but I'm curious about like how you train and mm-hmm. get to be good as a long snapper to the point where you can play in college. Right. It's, it's a lot of repetition. It's kind of like shooting a basketball where it's the same motion over and over again, where you're trying to perfect a very particular technique. And it's not like any other position on the field where you're reacting to things happening, going on around you. And you have to be able to use your, your technique and your practice to prepare you for those situations. It's the same motion every single time except for when you incorporate blocking into these punt schemes. Um, and just all those reps, they just accumulate. And whoever, really whoever has the, the best muscle memories is what produces some of the best long snappers. Obviously, you need to factor in guys that have the right size profile, the right level of strength. But a lot of times in the culture that's been created for specialists is now in the, in the 2010s and 2020s, See, guys typically start when they're freshmen in high school and they go to camps and they train at these camps and you're preparing and getting better, getting evaluated, getting ranked. It's it's so obscure and particular compared to any other position because if you're a quarterback and you have a huge arm, someone catches you on film, you get invited to the rivals camp, you get ranked as a four-star. But you go to these camps as a long snapper and you line up and you're put in front of a target and you get five snaps and you have to snap it perfectly every single time. If you miss a couple, your ranking, your rating is going to be affected. It is the most detailed and particular evaluation for probably the most minute thing on a football field that happens. Like, like I get on the, I would get on the field like ten times a game. The amount of work that goes into that is it's crazy, but it's just it's all that continuous repetition of doing the same thing over and over again. I mean this. I want to attend one of these. Like I want to <laughs> see it. I want to write about it. It just sounds so so wild to me. That Trust me, you like, don't you don't want to go to the they're, no, they're most I, boring thing no, that you can I know. sit <laughs> That's what I mean. Like the whole scene would be incredible to take in of like here's a bunch of dudes just snapping a ball at a target and hey some of them might make a million bucks a year like kevin mcdermott i think was making like one six yeah i mean it it, you gotta be good at it here's the fun thing that comes into play being a college specialist so that's the high school preparation part but when you get to college a lot of guys will typically train with the same coaches so there was one particular coach uh, I'm not going to name him because I don't want anything negative to come to this, but like we would go to his camps in college and like all these college long snappers, like from Toledo, Princeton, uh, central Michigan, like we would all be training and working out together during the day. And then at night we would go out to the bars and stuff in, in Orlando where we were sitting and training. So it goes from being this really detailed 
meticulous thing to where the the drunkenness of being a specialist kind of comes into play at night. <laughs> I can't like my journalist brain just is firing. Like this is like this is a bunch of long snappers walking yes. to a bar. I mean, right? I, like, you, could you imagine the goofiest looking group of kids wandering into a bar <laughs> at once? Right? Like, are you guys football players? Maybe because like thing, I swear I'm on the football team. The people the don't believe about it. the yeah. The thing about the long snapper is that he's big. But he's not that big. And so like the, the linebackers are there and the tight ends and stuff. And then there's the, the long snapper. He's got his long sleeves or long whatever, like trying to look right. like anything to beef him up a little bit. And you're like, nah, dude, you, you know, no way you actually like get on the field <laughs> any other position except for this. But every once in a while, that guy will be running down there with it's either like long sleeves and no gloves or no sleeves. And it's cold out just to be like, no, I'm a tough football right. player, too. Right. And the dude will make a key tackle or something. You're like, what? who is that guy? Is that an NFL? <laughs> oh, is the long who's, who's the chubby guy that, that somehow ended up in on the tackle <laughs> right. that doesn't look like he's supposed to be out there. <laughs> <laughs> what a life. Uh, I'm, I'm serious. I desperately want to cover one of these now and write about it because it sounds, <laughs> sounds wild. Uh, so let's, let's talk about the draft though. Cause I mean, you're, you're almost like, um, you know, like a kind of a freak when it comes to this, because mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's so few people who do this or who have right. any reason to do this or who have the skill to do it, uh, that it's, it's like how everybody knows someone who's insane at golf and you're just like this freaky spit, like let's play. Cause I want to see you get birdies. It's nuts. <laughs> it's kind of like the same thing. Well, you were able to do this at, at radio row in Los yeah. Angeles at the Super Bowl. You were able to snap to Pat McAfee, who has become a very famous personality. So that must've been really cool. Yeah, so the the way that that kind of went down is early in the week. Uh, one of the other people, one of the other people that work with Believe, w- went up to Pat when he was on a commercial break and was like, "Oh, you know, are you going to come come through on Radio Row and, and do some appearances?" He's like, "Yeah, uh, Thursday or Friday, I, I will, and you know, just come find me. I'll come on and, and do a quick quick hit with you guys." So when I found that out, I'm like, "Okay," immediately popped in my head, I should bring a football. He's a former punter. He's one of the most popular if not the most popular media personality out there right now so i I brought a football with me every single day hoping that i could find him on friday at three o'clock he disappeared so i immediately was like okay this isn't gonna happen he comes back we do the media hit we talk to him for about five minutes and at the end of it one of the other producers with believe who we were interviewing him said joe brought a football and he wants to snap it to you so we finish up mcafee lines up and and i think the people that were around us were like what the heck's going on over here like is this guy serious i don't think anyone had any expectation and i was a little bit nervous having not snapped in six months that i was gonna roll the thing back there but i ripped the first one at him and he was so excited he throws it back to me. He's like do, do it again i want another one <laughs> that, that's awesome that's yeah. great I, I i mean i just think it's it's such a great part of i mean any any team sport but football that everything is so specified and there are just these roles that exist. Um, and like, that's one of them that is super, super valuable if you don't have a guy. And that happened to the Vikings with Austin cutting, mm. like it went sideways halfway through the season and they just missed every field goal and everything went awry. Uh, there was a, a long snapper incident. Do you like, are you like a long snapper historian? I'm sorry. We'll get to the draft. I apologize. I, I could talk but- about long snappers for, the next hour if you need me to, but I, I, I am I'm familiar with the happenings of long snappers for the most part. Okay. So there was a giants 49ers playoff game 
that was one of the most, do you know what I'm talking about? Like one of the most insane playoff games ever. It was Kerry Collins, like back in that mm-hmm. era. I think it might've been early Alex Smith or Jeff Garcia, probably Jeff Garcia. Yeah. Trying to think of what year this would have been. And the giants it, it like had lost their long snapper and they brought a dude out of retirement. Yeah. I remember I, this. Right. And then, and so he was like the best long snapper ever, but he was super old and couldn't do it anymore. And he botched like two long snaps and they lost. And I think after the, there's an NFL films about this playoff game and Steve Mariucci says, you have to find this because this will be great yeah. for you. Steve Mariucci says like the, the most valuable guy on the field is that long snapper. Cause if he screws it up, like everything goes wrong. And uh, in that game, it did. So that's like the one that sticks out to me the most. Right. I think a lot of people take for granted because everybody just expects a long snapper to be automatic, but it it really does take precision, especially on, on field goals and extra points, because if you're off by like an inch on that snap and the holder hesitates or has to move the ball around at all, it can seriously mess up the timing of a kicker. And if a kicker has to think for a second, Long snappers are, are head cases sometimes, but kickers are even bigger head cases. If his approach gets screwed up because the snap is coming in at a weird angle, it's going to completely disrupt that operation. So I know the play that you're talking about. I forget the name of the snapper, but I totally understand how, how that that really impacted that game. Okay, it was Trey Junkin, and That's it happened it in 2002, which means I am old. Cause I didn't think it was that long ago, but yeah, it was crazy. And then, so even on that play, so the, the snap goes wrong, but then the backup quarterback tries to heave the ball down the field. And it looked like there was a pass interference and it was controversial at the end. It was really, I mean, the NFL films on it is so good. So anyway, well, you're not a long snapper now, uh, except at the Super Bowl radio row, you are a draft analyst now. And I guess maybe we could just start out with, um, do you know who's like going first in the draft or like how, how we feeling about the top of this draft? Because in past years, it's almost like, okay, well, Trevor Lawrence or Kyler Murray, unless they think he's too short or something, but, but this one, it's like everybody you talk to has a different take. Yeah. I I think that I, I do agree with you on that. We don't really know for sure who that guy is. And it feels a little bit weird trying to figure this out because there's no like elite generational player that sits in the conversation. And there's certainly not a quarterback that fits in the conversation, which kind of stirs the pot a little bit more. I think the two guys that it's going to come down to is Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon and Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. At the beginning of the season, the consensus was Kayvon Thibodeau. And he wasn't entirely healthy this year. He was a little bit in and out of the lineup. But the one thing that you get from Thibodeau, who's younger than Hutchinson, former highly rated recruit. Uh, some lists had him as the number one recruit in his class. This is a very twitchy guy. He's very fast, a uh, little tight in the hips, but he does speed to power very, very well. And that's what's going to make him a high ceiling player. It, it's going to take him some time to develop because his pass rush arsenal just isn't there right now because he's so raw, but the talent is definitely there. The other option is a more developed guy who decided to come back. Michigan's Aiden Hutchinson, who was in the Heisman contention, I frankly would rather have Thibodeau over Hutchinson just because if you watched that uh, college football playoff game against Georgia, that's a game where he's supposed to step up and he's supposed to dominate. And he made some nice plays. And I think some people got caught up with those nice plays too much to to ignore the fact that he also got bodied a lot. He got knocked around. He got thrown to the ground a ton. He looked lost. And I, I wasn't impressed by him in that situation. That's a game where 
you're supposed to step up if you're the first overall pick. That doesn't mean that Aiden Hutchinson isn't going to be a good pro, but just not first overall pick worthy. I, I think it's probably going to be Thibodeau. There's some talk of maybe Evan Neal from Alabama, but I, I think a lot of people think that Penny Sewell last year was better than Evan Neal is this year. So if Sewell doesn't go first overall, then why would Evan Neal? But Thibodeau for me, I think is probably the guy. It does seem like the edge rushers for this draft are better than they were for last year. Last year, it was like, hey, if you're drafting 23rd, those are your guys. Right. Uh, where this year, it's it's so odd. I, I mean, with the fact that quarterbacks are pushed out of the top 10 for a lot of people's mock drafts and things like that, it almost feels just weird looking at any top 10. You're like tackles and safeties and defensive ends. But uh, as the Vikings specifically we'll see on the quarterback and I'll get your opinion on the quarterbacks, but if they're not drafting a quarterback, uh, the defensive end class seems like even past those obvious top two, that there are dudes who are going to be available in the middle of the first round that maybe last year would have been like the top guy on the board. Yeah. The last year's edge class was, was really scary and it, it wasn't very really anyone that was worthy of getting drafted highly. And you did get some impacts from, uh, you know, from Phillips from Miami and Gregory Russo, who's, who's with the Buffalo bills. But this year's class, it's deep, it's talented. There are probably going to be four or five guys, maybe even six that could possibly go in the top 10. If you talk about Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Karloftis, Ajabo, and then you're starting to hear some some talk with Trevon Walker from Georgia, those are all really talented pass rushers. And if you need one early on in the draft, it's a really good year for that. But at the same time, maybe you're a team like the Vikings that does want to rebuild that that edge position, which we know that is, it's been a bit weak over the past year or so you could wait until day two to get a, a, a talented pass rusher because this class is really, really deep. And you could end up being in a position to draft a Maje Sanders, a Drake Jackson, a Cameron Thomas, a Kingsley Enigbare, a boy Mafe. There are so many options that are going to turn into either, you know, a really strong starting pass rusher that, could be a high impact player or if you want to draft one of these later round guys a really good rotational player depending on what the defensive approach is folks we've got an even better offer to tell you about from soda stick if you use the promo code purple insider one word you can get 15 percent off your purchase that's right at sodastick.com your place for minnesota sports inspired apparel you can get 15% off just by using the code purple insider. I've told you about all the great football designs, but they've added a few more, including the ax is back for Minnesota football fans. You can get that on a shirt, on a hat. And also Randy Moss is the goat, the purple people eaters, bud grant designs for the old school fan. Plus the hockey and basketball teams are both actually exciting this year. And soda stick has you covered there as well. Go to soda stick that.com. That is S O T A. S T I C K dot com and use the code Purple Insider for 15% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Yeah, and the Vikings have so many things that they need. If you start making out their positional needs, if you're doing one of those like <laughs> three positional needs, like that three ain't enough uh, with their current roster. Uh, but I think that that's at the top, cornerbacks at the top. And uh, there's a few you know cornerback spots uh, or cornerbacks that are projected to be in the top spots of the draft. And I wonder what you think about like when, when it comes to the debate of corners or defensive ends or outside linebackers, pass rushers, because the Vikings are going to go to this three, four style thing, even if the three, four is not real now, but um, you know, with corners, they're so volatile that as the Vikings have found out in recent years, drafting them can be hard. And with edge rushers, it's like, if you hit on that guy, he just gets to be a dude for 10 years. Even if he's just a good player, he'll just keep being a good player where with corners, unless you get Jalen Ramsey, it's like one year up next year, maybe not as much. And I just wonder like why you think that that might be that those positions are so different. Yeah. And I, I think it's situationally too. You might have like a young guy going against uh, an opposing team's number two receiver every single year or, or for a whole year, every single game. And he might dominate in that situation, but then when you ask him to step up to go against these number one guys, that's when things kind of shift. I think a lot of it comes down to coaching too, but if we think about what is probably the most cocky position on the field, it is the corner position. I remember when I played, the cockiest guys in the locker room were the corners, and there's just a swagger to it, and there's positives and negatives to that. There's the get in the head of the opposing receiver, the ultimate confidence, and and, and the... Um, you know, that that demeanor can help you have positive results in the field. But at the same time, so I feel like some of these guys, when they have one good season, they get in their head. They think that they're they're worth all this money. They think that they've done enough to establish their legacy and then they've kind of mail it in. And we kind of start to see that more and more often. I think as time goes on, it's just one of those few positions where being humble doesn't really come with it. And the guys that are humble tend to be the more successful ones or Jalen Ramsey, who's super cocky, ends up being able to do it consistently enough. But I, I think it's just a lot of the, the mental approach with these with these guys that play this position. Yeah, I also think that there's um, some variables that go into it that are different from defensive ends. Like just that you mentioned who you face on mm -hmm. a given year. There was one year where Xavier Rhodes faced and had good numbers, but I mean, it was just a murderer's row of wide receivers. It was Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, like week after week after week. And he did really well against them. But I mean, most people probably get shredded in that type of situation yeah. where if you Say you faced Arizona this year, you face DeAndre Hopkins, like, oh, that's going to be a problem. But then he gets hurt. You face him later in the year, and it's not a problem. Where I feel like with offensive linemen, there's only a handful that would be this mega difference maker when you go against them that are so good they're going to shut you down, but most are, are pretty beatable. Um, so maybe that's part of it too, just the ups and downs. Scheme, I think, makes a lot more mm -hmm. difference with corners than it does with defensive ends. It's like if someone's good at rushing the passer, you almost can't screw that up. With a corner, if he's a guy that's, you know, more of a man guy playing in kind of a zone thing or, or whatever else, if it doesn't fit with the scheme, then I think it's a lot more challenging. Right. That's a really good point that you, you can typically, if you have a man corner, they can play in zone. But the problem is, is when you get these big clunky zone corners that aren't maybe as fluid in transitioning and they're, they're not asked to do what a man corner would need to do. That's like you, you'll see them in zone and then they'll have like a, you know, a really good PFF grade and they'll look really good on film and all that stuff. But then if they're asked to maybe challenge themselves, they're asked to do some more man. Maybe there's a new defensive coordinator that's brought in and they're thinking, Oh, this kid was good last year. Let's ask him to do something different as he continues to develop. That stuff is not translatable. 
inherently zone natural zone corners are typically not very good in man coverage and that also is kind of part of it and yeah i mean for sure and uh yeah i think it, it can be really difficult to apply some of those like statistics that you mentioned when a guy plays in a zone scheme because in the nfl you're playing man like you're mm-hmm. it third third down and 10 or something like it's you versus him and let's see what happens or you know you know what i mean in the key situations in a game it's you versus him uh, in the NFL. And so when you see certain numbers, you go like, I, I don't know. And then there's like the nickel part of it too, which suddenly has become super valuable. And I just, um, I'm always fascinated by kind of the shape shifting all the time of different positional values and, and kind of what we think of that. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, um, the wide receivers in this draft and what you think kind of about the strength of that. Now the Vikings, I wouldn't necessarily put receiver up there, but, you already have Justin Jefferson, superstar. Adam Thielen in his 30s. KJ Osborne is a guy, but he's good, but you know, he's not like a game changer. I feel like Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adafo Mensa would be so much different in this based on what they did with the Rams. Uh, the you know, how the Rams did it with O'Connell is in terms of adding other playmakers. The Rams already had Cooper Cup and they already had Robert Woods, and they were like, Another one. Let's take Tutu Atwell. <laughs> Was it a good choice? Probably not. But the the point just being that they were they just loaded up on these playmakers, and I feel like that's such a dark horse for the Vikings. But what do you think about the the strength of receivers at the top of the draft, and maybe even just what some guys need to show at the combine? Right. We in the past we were spoiled the past couple draft classes with some seriously historic classes, and Justin Jefferson being a part of one of those classes. This year, I think we're going to be not disappointed, but just by the precedent that was set, we might feel disappointed without realizing this is kind of typical this year's draft class. There's some good receivers. There's some really good athletes, and there's also some decent depth. You're going to get, depending on what you're looking for, there's some guys with really good height and length, like a a Christian Watson or a Traylon Burks or a Drake London. There's some guys that are a little bit shiftier, like a Wandell Moore or uh, you know a, a Kyle Phillips, a Calvin Austin. There's a lot of options, and I I don't think you're necessarily going to get in these in the mids in the second round. Let's say we're on day two, like we did in the past couple of years. You're able to draft a guy, and he becomes a, a really good starter. Probably not going to get that this year. But for the Vikings that already have a strong receiver group, I think you can add some pieces and add some weapons with a third or a fourth type of receiver guy that can make a splash play here or there. Yeah, I think if if they drafted one in the first, it would be pretty shocking. But they drafted one in the second, maybe not as surprising. And I don't know how you feel about this, but the Vikings in recent years have really just chased their needs. They, as I mentioned, have a lot of needs. Receiver doesn't appear on the surface to be one. But I think in recent years, teams have shown that receiver is always a need. And you can really never have too many because they get banged up a lot. And you kind of don't know which guys are going to emerge. Sometimes they do out of nowhere and become key players. Like, I just feel like it's one of those positions where if you draft it, I'm just going to give you a good grade for it just for drafting one. Yeah, I'm in agreement with that. It's it's a position where, and it's kind of like running back too. It's like you can draft one every once every other year, and it's just going to help add competition to the position group. It's just good to have as many options as possible and receivers turning into such a premier position and the more options that you have, the better your team is going to be. You don't want to be, I, I so I, I'm a Giants fan. You don't want to be like the Giants where you're trotting out there with uh, Colin Johnson and, and a bunch of guys that you've never heard of before. You want to have that depth so that when you 
have an injury situation like Adam Thielen's 30. Is he going to be as healthy as he possibly could be? You want to have those options. All right, I got two more things for you. Number one, I want to know as you being a former, oh, we'll say high-level athlete. Uh, okay. Very generous of you. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I want to ask you, I want to pretend I'm in the draft room and I want to ask you, you some questions. You can pretend that you're the draft prospect. And then we'll answer them because I, it's always one of those things that's super funny is when you hear about like, well, they, uh, Nick Sirianni played, uh, wh- you know, whatever it was, rock, paper, scissors with the prospects. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. okay, why? To see if they were competitive staring contest. We're on, we're on a zoom call right now. Let's just stare at each other. That'll be the bit. <laughs> um, but so I've, uh, Joe Thomas mentioned a couple of these, but he said that, uh, they would ask him. So I'll ask you, uh, would you rather be a cat or dog? I'd rather be a dog. You know, there's a lot more. I, well, it depends on the kind of dog. I'm assuming I'm going to be a bigger dog. That you you you, you can be more commanding. Cats are just passive aggressive. You you got to take advantage of that, the 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 power that comes with being a dog. And I mean, just for being an athlete, you got to have that dog mentality. You don't want to have oh, a cat. There I, there's that Coastal Carolina coach that went on that rant. I forget what it was. And oh I, yeah, yeah, going out of tangent, he's like, we got to have some cats dogs. On this team. Yeah, we got to have some dogs. <laughs> Bows in the back. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. If, if you don't, if you haven't seen this, then I'm just a crazy person right now, but like you have to mm-hmm. go check it out. All right. That's a good answer. You don't want, you don't just want to be a dog. I left it vague. You want to be a big dog. But yeah. In, give me a, give me a real one on this one. So if I, if I'm in that room and I say, all right, tell me why you are going to succeed in the NFL. You were a success in terms of making a college team and having a college career, but NFL's different, my friend. Tell me why you're going to make it. Right. If approach with this question, I I think that the big emphasis is that I've shown over time that I may I've been able to outperform expectations. Like I wasn't a highly offered recruit. If we're talking from my perspective, I wasn't highly recruited. Didn't have very many options. I was a preferred walk on coming in, and each step of the way, I was able to prove people wrong. And who says I can't do that at the next level? That's what motivates me. That's what's helped me be successful, and that's. Ultimately, that's what's going to make me successful at the next level. I like it. Now answer this question. Okay. You think, you think any of that stuff matters? What like do you those mean? Inter- those interviews and all the other stuff. <sighs> I mean, this is not a leading question. I right. mean, I, t- I tend to think that a lot of the stuff is overrated. Like a lot mm. of the stuff that teams do is overrated. And a lot of it is to justify the money that they're spending, that their owners gave them for stuff to do. Uh, but but you play the game. I mean, I want to know your opinion. Like, do you think that you can talk with players and sit down with them and get a sense for uh, their chances to be successful? I think most of the guys that you're going to sit down and talk to are going to give you good answers and it's going to be a waste of time, but you want to be able to pinpoint those guys that you can tell by their demeanor and the way that they respond if they're meant to play at the next level. And there are a lot of guys that just are very gifted athletically, but really don't care and kind of assume that everything is going to be handed to them. The other thing too, that I think is important for me is specific to the positions that you want a high football IQ. It's important to see how they do when they ask them to start drawing stuff up on the board. And especially for the quarterback position, how do they handle that? I'm not saying that the guy has to sit there and and know exactly what he's being asked to draw up and, and, and completely nail it. But if you ask him to draw up like a simple passing play, and he gets flustered and he starts messing stuff up and he's second guessing himself. That's a bad sign to me because what is he going to do on the field? You want somebody who at least is confident if he's wrong. 
Hey everybody, I've been making my meals from HelloFresh and I have to tell you, I cannot make enough of these things. And if I can make them, literally anyone can. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip the trips to the grocery store, count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. One of the nice things for me as I'm grinding the football tape is that HelloFresh Cuts back on the time spent in the kitchen. Meals are ready in around 30 minutes or less, plus their quick and easy meal options, including 20-minute recipes, low prep, easy cleanup. They provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. You guys know we love stats on the show. How about this one? HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality, and you can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's more money to put toward your NFL draft guides. How about that? Uh, we've been cooking HelloFresh meals here in the house for the last couple of weeks. Just made the Parmesan chicken the other night, and uh, it's a game changer, guys. So go to HelloFresh.com. That's HelloFresh.com slash Insider16. HelloFresh.com slash Insider16. Use the code Insider16 for up to 16 meals for free and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Yeah, no, that's it. That's interesting. And like, that's the one part, even sometimes they'll put the team will publish some video of like 45 seconds of them being like, is this a deep crosser or something, you know, and uh-huh. the, just for the fans or whatever. But um, I've talked to a few people who have been a part of those interviews uh, in terms of on the team side. And they believe that they get a lot out of it. I mean, they think that there's a lot of answers that they get standard that you're always going to get your big dog answer. Not unique. But when right. it comes to like understanding the game and being able to display a, a drive for this beyond just like, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to be great. Well, they all think they're going to be great. But having a particular sort of reason was part of what I remember hearing from someone is like, what's your reason for wanting to be good in the NFL? Because the NFL is so hard, man. I mean, it's just day after day after day. It's a grind. It's a job. It, the players are super scary. I mean, it's just like, so what is it that's going to push you through when things are really tough? And, uh, you know, I think the guys that have an instant answer for that probably have a better chance to succeed. Yeah. And it's not also just the instant answer. It's like what you said too. If, if they have a compelling one, are, are you bought in on what a guy's saying, or does it sound like he's just giving lip service? You want somebody who's intense. You want somebody who's serious and, and motivated. And that's probably what they're trying to get out of those answers. I also think that any, and I've said this before, but uh, like anybody who's anybody who says money, I would draft them. If you play for money, that's great. Like in the NFL, that's great. Like that's what you're there for. 90% of the guys more than that. They play for money, which they should. Uh, Okay. Last thing. And I appreciate all the time and the great, you know, analysis here, but uh, we got to talk about the QBs, man. Uh, I want to know from you what you are looking for to come out of the combine, the reporting, uh, when you watch, uh, we don't get to be inside at Indy, but you know, we get, you can watch the workouts on TV. So when you take the time to watch those, uh, what are you looking for? Yeah. With, with this particular group of guys, I want to see who can separate themselves amongst the, the more average athletes of the group. So like Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett, um, Desmond Ritter, you know, those types of guys, I want to see how they can separate themselves because like right now it kind of feels like Malik Wellis is pulling away a little bit because based on what he did at the senior bowl and athletically, he's going to, he's going to dominate the testing. It's possibility he runs a four five. 
Uh, he's got a huge arm, so he's going to throw, uh, you know, have a bunch of crazy good throws. For him specifically, can he not press too much and not over try like he did in the first day of the senior bowl? Just let things come to him, approach things simply. But this other group of guys, the guys that aren't necessarily the, the crazy athletes that I mentioned, how do they look throwing? You want guys to be concise. And like I kind of think back to when Jake Fromm had his combine and he was like considered to be a highly draftable guy. And then he looked terrible throwing at the combine. He just looked completely separate from the group, no arm talent, inconsistent ball placement. Um, and he looked really, really sloppy. The, the, the guys that are going to come out and, and prove themselves are the ones that look the part or stand out from the pack with getting the, some zip off on the ball. So like Carson strong, I think is going to be able to do that. Um, I think Sam Howell is, been showing especially at the senior bowl that he's got some pop on the ball when he throws it so those guys i want to see what they do and can they stand out from the rest of the group the uh the kenny pickett velo question is something that i'm interested in and and that shouldn't be overrated I, i remember the what deshaun watson didn't have a very good velocity so not necessarily the mph that comes out that they throw but just the zip on the ball because I'm not really convinced from watching him with the senior bowl and reading about what people said that, that that's really a strength of his, right? He's never going to be a Malik Wilson or Carson strong. He's not going to rip, rip the ball as fast as he can. And as far down the field as he can, but he's the steadiest of the group. He's the most consistent of the group. And that's, that's kind of what he did at the senior bowl. He was steady. He was consistent throughout the week. He was middle of the pack. He didn't help himself or really hurt himself. He was just there doing what Kenny Pickett does that's probably going to keep him from getting drafted first in the group because the draft cycle is always overreactions to things. But I think Kenny Pickett, like you, you shouldn't get too caught up on, like you're saying, if he's ripping the ball or not. Is is his ball placement what it needs to be? And is mm-hmm. he accurate with those passing drills? If he looks sloppy and he's making mistakes there, then I'm concerned. But he's always going to be a guy that's, uh, you know, that's that's accurate that's consistently accurate and he's also a pretty good athlete too he's, he's probably going to run a very underrated 40 time too so should i care about carson strong as as a uh, covering a team that could potentially draft quarterback in the first or second round yeah i i would pay attention to carson strong because i think that he can fit into what the vikings might do in terms of drafting because he he probably isn't going to play right away and, and they're going to i would uh, kind of assume that the vikings might roll with Kirk Cousins for one more year if they went with that approach, but you could get him early in the second round, maybe trade up, or if they wanted to really pull the trigger, he could fit where the Vikings are drafting in the first round. It just kind of depends on how the board lays out who's willing to take that that quarterback. The big thing that's going to be important for, for him, and it seems like things are trending upward, is how his knee looks to the medical staff that's there. And there's that concern that he has this degenerative knee issue with his knee basically deteriorating and it seems like it's fine, but the NFL needs to be the, the the one that signs off on it. And if they don't, then he could go from being a first or second round guy to late day three or somewhere on day three. Here's the thing. Uh, we mentioned the Vikings history with long snappers, their history with quarterbacks and knees is even worse. Yeah. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Dante Culpepper, promising careers ended. They don't need that in their life. I do think, though, that after after watching a little of Carson Strong in the actual Senior Bowl game, it was very meh. Um, but if 
like there's sort of this push and pull with the athleticism with quarterbacks. It's like Joe Burrow is not an insane runner. I think he ran for like 150 yards this year. He's just got incredible pocket presence. And uh, there are other quarterbacks who are succeeding who are insane runners. And I'm not sure there's ever a like one size fits all. It seems like whoever just won, you're like, oh, well, that's what you really want. Um, but the Carson Strong thing, he just does seem like so statuesque that the Vikings are going opposite of everything, opposite the coach, opposite the GM. I think that they would go opposite the quarterback. I don't think they want a statue guy. Yeah, I, I can totally agree with that. I, I don't think that I, Carson Strong is, doesn't fit exactly what you're talking about. And someone like Malik Willis is probably more in line with with what they're looking for. Matt Corral is probably a little bit more in line with, with somebody who can elude pressure, throw on the run, um, ha, you know, has good good arm strength. I think those two guys might fit a little bit better if, like you're talking about, trying to move away from the last guy who is very uh, clunky athlete in Kirk Cousins. Yeah, um, Corral is like top of my list of guys to watch because we didn't see him at the Senior Bowl. So, um, Joe DeLeon, you want to follow him on Twitter. Trust me, at Joe D-E-L-E-O-N-E fit in another one uh the uh nfl draft prospects podcast uh really glad to have you on the show man glad to kick around some long snapper stuff and uh i hope we can do it again yeah for sure always down to hop on and talk draft so just let me know